You're listening to the Power Place Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch a service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You need to rebuke the spirit of fear in your life. Talk to it. Tell it to go. Tell it it can't live in your house. It can't live in your body. And then let the power of Jesus Christ, the love of his spirit, and the sound mind that Jesus has given you be used. Um, so you've, some of you would notice that uh, Pastor Christie is not here today. She's not feeling well. So she's using her sound mind and staying home. And you need to, too. If you're sick and you don't want to spread disease, use your sound mind. Don't get all whacked out. Just use the mind God's given you. Do what you need to do. Amen? Amen. So pray for those who are sick. This, this is a, a, a season where sickness loves to run rampant. And we're not afraid of it. But we're also smart, so we do what we need to do. I, want to, I just want to thank uh, Bill Grandizio for fogging our facility every week. What a blessing. God really laid it on his heart to do this, and um, I think he fogged twice this week. Uh, what a blessing. Uh, using the same, same formula that, that uh, medical professionals use and dental offices as well. So um, we're doing our due diligence, and our cleaning team is pretty incredible. They had a party last night. Thank you to our cleaning team, who every week they um, make sure this place is cared for. Pick up all your junk. Sanitize it. An elderly gentleman had serious hearing problems for a number of years, went to the doctor. Doctor was able to have him fitted for a set of hearing aids that allowed him to hear 100%. So we went back in a month to the doctor. The doctor said, your hearing is perfect. Your family must really be pleased that you can hear again. He said, oh, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and listen to the conversations. I've changed my will three times. Watch out for Grandpa. He's, he's not as dumb as you think he is. A couple were in a, a busy shopping center just before Christmas. And the wife suddenly noticed that her husband was missing and they had a lot to do, so she called him. Where are you, she said. You know we have a lot, of di- lot to do. He, he said, do you remember the jeweler's We went into about 10 years ago and you fell in love with that diamond necklace. I couldn't afford it at the time and I said that one day I'd get it for you. Well, little tears started to flow down her cheek and she got all choked up. Yes, I remember that shop, she said. Well, I'm in the video game store next to that. (laughs) Word has it he hasn't recovered quite yet. Someone said, Dear Santa, before I try to explain myself, how much do you already know? (laughs) I want to thank uh, Denny Eastman for the the pack sign. I don't know if you've ventured to look inside the gym. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. (laughs) Denny has skills. And uh, that's, that's his creation. And him and Mike Devano and Gabe Rizzo, they, they got the sign up on Friday. What a blessing. Um, it, just, it just sets the whole room off. Thank you, Denny. 
uh, make sure that uh, we have your correct email for your 2020 giving statement. If, if you don't think we have your right email, then make sure you see Rajan. I think Rajan's in here. Rajan, would you stand up if you're in here? If you're not, I think she's out counting. She's hiding. She's hiding up there. So make sure you see Rajan and, and get your correct email to us. Okay? And I mentioned last week, if you're shopping on Amazon, uh, type in smile.amazon.com and choose the power place as your charity of choice, and we will make money as you uh, shop till you drop. Okay? First fruits offering coming up December 27th. going to be a, a powerful day. I don't know if anybody noticed this fly that came in. He came in while uh, the movie was going on, and he kind of landed on Isaiah's head and played around up there, and now he's attacking me. So anyway, uh, pray about the fly, will you? He's got to go. He's bugging me. So be praying about what God wants you to do in our first fruits offering on December 27th. Amen? Now, let me address something real quickly. Um, yes, I do still have on flip-flops. Praise God, it's, still, it's warm outside. And yes, I do know it's going to snow on Wednesday. How fun is that? Uh, but my foot is healing well. I feel like last Sunday as I was preaching that uh, a lot of the pain left. And so, praise God. Uh, it's, it's healing. And... Um, I'm making progress. I'm able to actually walk with, with uh, weight on that, that toe. So, yeah, a little too much information today, but I've got the microphone, so. Uh, let, me, let me just uh, address something. Last Sunday... Someone approached someone in our church and said, I've got a word from God for you. And the person came to me later and said, I don't feel like that was a word from God. What do I do about that? And I I want you to know that this is a church that believes in the prophetic. We believe in words of knowledge. We believe in, in words of encouragement. And sometimes people do have a word from God for you. But not always is what they think a word from God for you. Not always is it for you. You don't have to accept it or receive it. I've had people approach me and they, they just, they thought they had a word from God for me. And I said, if it's from God, my spirit will resonate with that. I'll receive it. If it's not from God, I reject it. Not rejecting you, but I'm rejecting the word you feel is from God. So anytime you give someone a word, make sure you preface it. Say, look, I'm feeling strongly about this. If it's not, don't worry about it. If it's from God, receive it. First of all, you don't have to accept everybody's, everything everybody says to you. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. You don't have to accept everything everybody says to you. If it's from God, your spirit will resonate. You will know. You won't have to question. You won't have to ask. You'll know. In the middle of that, there should always be no confusion. Because confusion is not from God. Confusion is from the enemy. Okay? I, I take this very seriously. And so we, we as the house of, of God here at the power place, we stand on the truth. 
Also, sometimes you look at a person and you wonder, you, you need to ask yourself, do I know them? Do I know the fruit of their life? Because uh, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. And there are many false prophets. There are many people that would like to speak things over your life. And you don't have to receive that. You do have to receive the word of the living God. When he speaks, you need to obey and do what he says. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, just a little housekeeping there. Joshua chapter 23. This is living. And what a year we've lived. I'm just, I'm so thankful that I'm on God's side. I, I'm thankful that I have enough knowledge of the word of God that none of this shakes me. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It matters who's on the throne of your life. Some of us are all been out of shape over things we can't control. And the reality is the Bible says that God places people in leadership. And as I read my Bible, I see where he placed wicked people in leadership. And many times it was to teach his people a lesson. I wish we'd learn our lessons. We need to learn real well. But don't get all bent out of shape. Don't get all worried about everything that's going on. Just trust God. Keep praying that truth and justice would prevail. Keep praying that God's will would be done. His kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. And don't freak out. Because when you start to freak out, you become no good to anybody. Joshua 23. All right, I may just talk today. I don't know. I've, I've got a lot of things in my head. Um, now, it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side. And Joshua was old, advanced in years. The Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers. And he said to them, you notice that Joshua always speaks to the leadership first. And he said to them, I am old, advanced in years. Kind of heard that earlier. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance which remain as an inheritance for your tribes. With all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan, even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun, the Lord your God, he will thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you and you will possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you or mention the name of their gods or make anyone swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you are to cling to the Lord your God. Get a picture of that. You are to cling to the Lord your God. Have a picture of like when my grandkids come and put their arms around my legs and we walk. One on each leg, right? 
They're clinging because they don't want to miss anywhere I'm going. You are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you. And as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. Verse 10. One of your men puts to flight a thousand. One of your men puts to flight a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you. Just as he promised you. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you, but they will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes till you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. That just sounds, ow. That's painful. Now behold, today I'm going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. It shall come about that just as all the good words which the Lord your God spoke to, to you have come upon it, it. Let's read that again. It shall come about that just as all the good words which the Lord your God spoke to you have come upon you. So the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until he's destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you will perish quickly from off the good land, which he has given you. Joshua 23. More than 20 years have passed since the Israelites have entered the land of Canaan. And the years have taken their toll on Joshua. The responsibility of leadership, the intensity of the fight. And he finally admits he's old. Guys, I'm old. And all around him, he sees people settling down, apparently content to share the land with those God had commanded them to drive out. And so Joshua sensed the danger of their compromise. So he calls all the leaders together first and he reminds them. Verse three, God's fighting for you. It's God who's fighting for you. Our God is fighting for us. God Almighty is fighting for us. And I, I guess the question always comes up, why do we always blame God for everything? When we know and we need to remember that God is fighting for us. He's on our side. He cares about us. He cares about every detail of our lives. So many people, they, they fall into the trap of, I just can't believe in a God who allows I just can't believe in a God who created. I can't believe in a God who caused. They fill in their blank. And, and, and what we need to realize is that's the enemy's strategy. He loves to get you to question God. Go back to Genesis. Adam and Eve. And the enemy shows up and says, did God really say I mean, he's holding out on you. He knows that if you, you're going to be just like, you're going to know good. You, God's holding out on you. You need to question. It's 
say, are all questions wrong? No. But when it comes to the point of questioning God, we just need to remind ourselves of John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved you. He's fighting for you. He's given the answer for you. He gave his only begotten son so you would not have to have everlasting death. But you can have everlasting life. So we find the Israelites compromising and compromise is dangerous. Anybody say that? Have you noticed that in your life? As soon as you start to compromise, it's kind of like rationalizing. I always looked at the word rationalize and, and broke it down, rational lies, basically. And that's how some of us live our life. We just rationalize, we, we compromise to the point where we find ourselves in, in trouble. I want to give you three results of compromise here. Number one, defeat. The first result of compromise is defeat. We see in verses 9 to 13. I mean, they hadn't won the battles in their own strength. It was God who'd won the battles for them. But if they continued to compromise, they would soon be defeated. Uh, verse, verse 12, if you ever go back, he said, if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, if you ever go back, know with certainty, verse 13, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out before you. I mean, if you turn your back on God and you go back and, and you decide we're better off here than with God, if you do that, you find yourself in a compromising situation and you will eventually face defeat. Secondly, discomfort. Verse 13, uh, he says, if you do this, they will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides, thorns in your eyes until you perish. <laughs> what a great way to live, huh? Thorns in your side, thorns in your eyes, whips whacking you. How fun is that? Some of us need to realize that our misery is an indication of something that needs to change. You may be miserable just because you put yourself in a miserable position. You've turned from faith to fear. And you've gone back saying, oh, Egypt was so much better. Living for Satan was so much easier than living for God. It's so hard to live for God. Ay, ay, ay. I don't know why we allow the enemy to stay. I mean, the temptation, the sin, the habit that we pamper and encourage and indulge in will become a snare and a trap to us. You can bank on it. What you allow to stay in your life will become a snare and a trap to you. And God wants better things than that for you. I mean, habits, they start out as cobwebs, but they become cables. They start out as things that Eh, it's not that big a deal. And all of a sudden you can't break free. The compromising Christian is not a happy person. Sometimes our misery is an indication that something needs to change. Number three, result of compromise. The third one is disgrace and destruction. Verse 15 and 16 says, you will perish quickly when you transgress the covenant of the Lord. If you disregard God's word, you will eventually face the inevitable. Are you with me today? Second Kings 17 verse 12. Yes, they worshiped idols despite the Lord's specific and repeated warnings. Again and again, the Lord has sent his prophets and seers to warn both Israel and Judah. 
Turn from all your evil ways. Obey my commands and decrees. The entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey and that I gave you through my servants, the prophets. But the Israelites wouldn't listen. He said, turn, obey. They wouldn't listen. They were as stubborn as their ancestors who had refused to believe in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and they despised all his warnings. They worshiped worthless idols, so they became worthless themselves. They followed the example of the nations around them. Oh, we could camp there for a while. Followed the example of the nations around them, disobeying the Lord's command not to imitate them. They rejected all the commands of the Lord their God and made two calves from metal. They set up an Asherah pole, worshiped Baal and all the forces of heaven. They even sacrificed their own sons and daughters in the fire. They consulted fortune tellers and practiced sorcery and sold themselves to evil, arousing the Lord's anger. Because the Lord was very angry with Israel, he swept them away from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah remained in the land. That's a dangerous pathway right there. When we start worshiping worthless things, we become worthless. When we follow this world more than we follow the kingdom of heaven, we find ourselves in a very, very compromising place. And it will eventually catch up with us. And we will, if we continue down the pathway, we will be swept away from his presence. There's nothing worse than being away from his presence. So what are the safeguards against compromise? Number one, obedience. Obedience. Be very careful to keep and do all that is written. Joshua 1.7, only be strong or very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you may have success wherever you go. It's not that you got to do this because I'm mean and I'm hard and you just, you're not going to have any fun in life. No, you do this, you'll be successful everywhere you go. Doesn't matter where you go, you're going to find yourself walking in a pathway of success. That's the God we serve. Secondly, remember God's faithfulness. Joshua 23, 14. Now behold, today I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. Remember what God has done. That's why we have a manager in our house. Although we don't go to it much anymore, but when we had kids and sometimes the grandkids come over and they say, what's that in that jar? Why is that golf ball in the jar? I pull the golf ball out and I say, well, this is the size of the tumor that was in your daddy's neck when he was born. And the doctor said, we're gonna have to do surgery. And I said to the doctor, we're gonna pray. We'll come back later. We're going to pray. And so he set an appointment and we prayed. And the night before our appointment, I walked through our house carrying Isaiah with this huge tumor on his neck. And I began to believe God for a miracle. And I didn't see anything happen until we woke up the next morning and it was absolutely gone. And as I took him to his appointment that day, the Jewish doctor who had renounced Jehovah, who had renounced God, he went through the hospital showing everyone the miracle baby. Look what God has done. Look what God has done. And so we remember. You need some points of remembrance to say, hey, this is what God has done. Nothing he's ever spoken has failed. 
And I can stand on that. All have been fulfilled for me. Not one of them has failed. So obedience, remembrance, separation. Thirdly, separation. Verse seven. So that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them or serve them or bow down to them, but you are to cling to the Lord your God as you've done to this day. He says, separate yourself. In fact, the Apostle Paul makes the statement again in the New Testament. Come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord, do not touch the unclean thing. There's some things we need to separate ourselves from. You don't need to be involved in everything. There's some things spiritually that you must separate yourself from. You need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And then he says, don't even mention the name of their gods. Because mention of names brings curiosity. There's some things you don't even need to talk about with your kids. Because it makes them curious. They want to go explore. I want to find out more about that. No, there's some stuff you don't even need to talk about. Don't associate. Don't mention. Don't serve. Don't swear by. Don't bow down. Just simply, verse 8, cling, cling, cling to the Lord. Cling to the Lord. Cling to the Lord. Cling to the Lord. You ever have static cling? You just can't get it off, right? It's like cling to the Lord. And if you're going to make it, if you're going to not compromise, then obey him. Remember what he's done. Separate yourself. And then fourthly, take heed to love. Verse 11. Take heed to love. Joshua 23, 11. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. The word heed means to give careful attention to. Take diligent heed. Give careful attention to loving the Lord your God. Jesus said in John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. You see, obedience and love go hand in hand. And when you accept his commandments, you obey them, then it shows your love. And when you love him, something happens in that relationship. And he starts to open up and reveal himself to you. You can live at odds with God your whole life. And you'll be miserable but if you'll simply love him, obey him, follow his commands, then you'll, you'll find yourself understanding who he is and he will begin to reveal himself to you. That's where you want to be. That's real living. This is living. First Corinthians chapter 13 probably heard this scripture many times. But Paul the Apostle writes, if, if I can speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You've met a few people like that. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, It'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient, kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. 
and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. When the time of of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things, and now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. These three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Take heed. Take heed to love. I cut out this little poem years ago. I watched them tearing a building down, a gang of men in a busy town. With a ho, heave, ho, and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and a sidewall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men as skilled as the men you'd use if you had to build? He gave out a laugh and said, no, indeed, just common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken years to do. So I thought to myself as I went my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by rule and square? Or am I a wrecker who just walks the town content with the labor of tearing down. Oh, may we be builders. compromise as we were singing this morning and the song I I don't think we've ever sung it here before but what, what do you care about God I just want to bring you what you want is it a song is it my life I just sat there weeping saying God man I, I just I want to give you everything you want from me I don't know what that looks like but I just want to please you I think that's what Josh was telling us and how we could finally say this is living if we just simply say God I'm all in I'm all yours I'm going to lay down everything that doesn't matter I'm just going to give myself to you fully and completely I don't know if you want to join me on that journey, but I think it's the only way to live. Let's stand together. Would you just lift your hands and surrender to him this morning?
theology of faith class named Tommy. Some 12 years ago, I stood watching my university students file into the classroom for our first session of the theology of faith. That was the day I first saw Tommy. My eyes and my mind were both blinked. He was combing his long flaxen hair, which hung six inches below his shoulders. It was the first time I'd ever seen a boy with hair that long. And I guess I was just, it was just coming into fashion then. And I, I know in my mind that it isn't what's on your head, but what's in it accounts. But on that day, I was unprepared and my emotions flipped. I immediately filed Tommy under S for strange, very strange. Tommy turned out to be the atheist in residence in my theology of faith course. He constantly objected to, smirked at, or whined about the possibility of an unconditionally loving father, God. We lived with each other in relative peace for one semester, although I admit he was for me at times a serious pain in the back pew. When it came, when it came up at the end of the course to turn in his final exam, he asked in a cynical tone, you think I'll ever find God? I decided instantly in a little shock therapy. No, I said very emphatically. Why not? He responded. I thought that was the product you were pushing. I let him get five steps from the classroom door and then I called out, Tommy, I don't think you'll ever find him, but I'm absolutely certain he will find you. He shrugged a little and left my class and my life. I felt slightly disappointed at the thought that he had missed my clever line, he will find you. At least I thought it was clever. Later I heard that Tommy had graduated and I was really grateful. Then a sad report came. I heard that Tommy had terminal cancer. Before I could search him out, he came to see me. 
walked into my office. His body was very badly wasted and his long hair had all fallen out as a result of chemotherapy. But his eyes were bright and his voice was firm and for the first time, I believe, Tommy, I've thought about you so often, I hear you're sick, I blurted out. Oh yeah, very sick. I have cancer in both lungs, it's a matter of weeks. Can you talk about it, Tom, I asked. Sure, what would you like to know? So what's it like to be only 24 and die? Well, could be worse. I said, like what? He said, well, like being 50 and having no values or ideals. Like being 50 and thinking that booze, seducing women and making money are the real biggies in life. I began to look through my mental file cabinet under S where I had filed Tommy as strange. It seems as though everybody I try to reject by classification, God sends back into my life to educate me. But what I really came to see you about, Tom said, is something you said to me on that last last day of class. He continued. I asked you if you thought I would ever find God, and you said no, which surprised me. And then you said, but he will find you. I thought about that a lot, even though my search for God was hardly intense at that time. He had remembered. When the doctors removed a lump from my groin and told me that it was malignant, that's when I got serious about locating God. When the malignancy spread into my vital organs, I really began banging bloody fists against the bronze doors of heaven. But God didn't come out. In fact, nothing happened. Do you ever try anything for a long time with great effort and with no success? You get psychologically glutted, fed up with trying, and then you quit. But one day I woke up and instead of throwing a few more futile appeals over that high brick wall to a God who may be or may not be there, I just quit. I decided I didn't really care about God, not an afterlife or anything like that. I decided to spend what time I had left doing something more profitable. Thought about you and your class, and I remember something else you had said. The essential sadness is to go through life without loving. It would be almost equally sad to go through life and leave this world without ever telling those you loved that you had loved them. So I began with the hardest one, my dad. He was reading the newspaper when I approached him. Dad, yeah, what? He asked without lowering the newspaper. Dad, I'd like to talk with you. I'll talk. I mean, it's really important. The newspaper came down three slow inches. What is it? Dad, I love you. Just wanted you to know that. Tom smiled at me and said it with obvious satisfaction as though he felt a warm and secret joy flowing inside of him. The newspaper fluttered to the floor. Then my father did two things I can never remember him ever doing before. He cried and he hugged me. all night even though he had to go to work the next morning felt so good to be close to my father to see his tears to feel his hug to hear him say that he loved me it was easier with my mother and my little brother they cried with me too and we hugged each other and started saying real nice thing to each other. We shared the things we'd been keeping secret for so many years. I was only sorry about one thing that I had waited so long. Here I was, just beginning to open up to all the people I'd actually been close to. And then one day, I turned around and God was there. He didn't come to me when I pleaded with him. I guess I was like an animal trainer holding out a hoop. Come on, jump through. Come on, I'll give you three days, three weeks. Apparently God does his things in his own way and at his own hour. At 
important thing is, he was there. He found me. He found me. You were right. He found me. Even after I stopped looking for him. from God demanding God to do your thing what would happen if you just took heed to love if you take heed to love the Lord he'll find you For some of you, he's found you this morning. He's tapping on your heart's door today. He's just saying, open the door. Let my love in. If that's you this morning, I want to just open this altar area up for you. Just to come and spend some time with God in his presence. We're going to sing that again. This is going to be our dismissal. But if you need to spend some close time with Father God, or maybe you need to just acknowledge that He is your Lord for the first time. I, I don't know where you're at, but I do know this. He's here today, and He is finding you. He's finding you. Thanks for listening to the PowerPlace Audio Podcast. For more resources or to watch a service online, visit us at www.thepowerplace.org.